Doctor? What doctor? Doctor who? Doctor who, did you say? Eh? Doctor who? What are you talking about? gibberish or do you really know what you're talking about what look did you go for ian blonde wig and ping pong ball eyes or tip a bowl of chow mein over your head i went with the chow mein because my normal look is is sort of blonde and ping pong eyes um, see so yeah, i didn't i didn't spaghetti no 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 because no, i see that as a waste of of, of a good chow mein and chop suey chow mein i'll go for a chow mein yeah. anytime but, yes. and also you do like wearing gold lurex uh skin fit skin tight well fitted jumpsuits don't you? there is one moment in this story where you have got the chow mein head with the lurex body that's and true, yeah, actually, yeah that's my spring look i've yeah. i've decided yes yeah all right, so here we are, here we are, uh, John Pertwee era, and of yeah. course, our very first colour story. And I think colour plays a part in this, doesn't oh, by, it? By goodness, does colour play a part in this. Mm. Um, it was weird, because when you said, uh, you, I'm choosing the John Pertwee one, there was, there was quite a few I thought about, and then I, I thought, Claws of Access, because it's... It's it's almost the epitome of what we think the seventies Doctor Who was, and it's not. If it's very very um, uh, atypical, but it's also the one. If you think of the unit years, this is sort of your idea of it—a mm. psychedelic nightmare. Um, it was also weirdly because, um, like I say, I, grew, I John Pertwee was my first Doctor, but towards the tail end of his. His time, so I remember like the Nestle bars, and I remember, you know, Splink was it or Plink or whatever was the yeah. when he did the cross code, the green cross code thing, um, and I, I, the first time I ever saw uh, uh, an Axon was the uh, same as the Yeti was these the Weetabix cards, and I remember my dad and my oldest brother neither of whom are with us anymore, but they both knew that it was an Axon, and they both said axons were like the scariest thing ever and so it was really weird when i finally got to watch this program on a really dodgy back 20th generation vhs pirate copy that the mate lent me for that was recorded in australia um it was a weird way to do it and i finally got to watch it and um it's not that scary is it well, I don't, well, we'll talk about that near the end. Um, but I can't remember what came first. I can't remember whether... I can't remember watching it. No. Um, definitely can't remember watching it. I was about 10, something like that. Yeah. But Do you I remember the, the monster book? Did you have that? The Doctor no, 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 no. Because it, it had a sort of section in there of that. Right. But I, I've got a memory, and I don't know if it's a memory of seeing it at the time or a memory of when it's been shown since, but Pebble Mill at One had a thing about <coughs> Doctor Who monsters, yes. and I think an axon was in that, lumbering out around outside yes. the window. The, the big eye as well. 
that's in the axle. Mm. Not not the eye on the end of the, the gimbal, but the eye that's stuck on a wall. Mm. That's in the Pebble Mill one as well. Um, right. Yeah. But that, yeah, that was that was repeated in the um, Thirty Years in the TARDIS. Right. So you okay. might have seen it there. But this is the problem. It is so long ago now. All your yeah. memories, you know, all jumble up and it becomes this, you know, stew of memories. Yes. And I can't remember what one came first or if you, I'm mis- misremembering. Do you remember the first time you actually saw it and remembered watching it? Or, like, you know, on no, VHS? No, no, no. no it was DVD. Was I it? never got it on VHS. It was DVD, you know. And, uh, yeah, so, mm, yeah, it... This is a weird one for me because, you know, if I think of John Pertwee, as I said before, you know, John Pertwee was my doctor until Tom yeah. Baker came along and he got knocked down. Um, but it's not a story I, I particularly remember. Everyone remembers the Sea Devils. Everybody remembers yeah. Planet of the Spiders, Frontier in Space, you know, the Peladon stories. Yeah. But I don't really remember this, this one. This is one of those, there's certain films and there's certain TV shows where I always forget what they're about and you can't really remember it until you start watching it and you sort of go they they're not as bad as i remember i can't but i can't remember what they were like so you sit put them in and watch them again then you go oh yeah um there's certain bits in this that i think work really well i enjoy it as far as what what it is but it's everything's slightly off Mm. it it feels like a crackerjack sketch um of Doctor Who, everything's slightly out. And I, I was watching it this time, and I was thinking, okay, what, what's causing this to be, to be wrong? And I think it's, it comes down to the direction. The direction is really weird in it. The way the sh- the scenes are, are staged, the way the scenes are shot, the way the sets are constructed, it's like new hands were on doing everything except for, obviously, you know, the, the regular cast. Because mm. it's really... I mean, like, at, at one point I was watching it, and I thought, bloody hell, you can see the back of the plywood set next door. Yes. Because the camera's slightly off. And, and if it had been moved, like, six inches to the right, you wouldn't see it. And it's it, it feels like that. It feels like a dress rehearsal that's been filmed. It's very strange. I've watched it three times now, yeah. and just like you, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, well, all the ingredients are yeah. there. This should work. But yeah, it's, it's all the classic ingredients. So you've got the Doctor on Earth, you've got great unit action, lots of unit soldiers, you've got a fairly good monster suit, you've got nuclear power station, you've got some great uh, sort of um, uh, exterior footage, you've got the master, you've got some good actors in it, but it's like they've mixed it all together and it's curdled. I don't... Just recently, Dave and I did for effectively speaking the rocketeer right, oh, right yeah. which is a film i really enjoy i like but it. can't remember and and it's the same sort of thing you watch it and you, and, and you think this should be you know more memorable yes but you watch it once and you've totally forgotten it straight it's, it's, afterwards it's, i mean <laughs> like the rocketeer it's, it's blandly competent isn't it that's a good way of putting yeah. it yeah it passes it passes a couple of hours and you go oh, I, I, okay i quite enjoyed that I pity you watching it three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, but that, that was over a period of about two weeks. It's not no, too, it's bad. too bad. Yeah. I, I made the mistake of trying to watch it all in one sitting, which I think is this is this is we we often have said before that Doctor Who was meant to be watched weekly, and it it 
some some yes. stories just don't work watching this is a classic a example yes. of doing that yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah i think if you yeah. watched one a week on this you could just You'd about yeah. get part past it and get <laughs> yeah. through it couldn't you because you're just getting to the bit where you're going oh it's a bit bit dull oh and it's ended whereas if you're watching it in a block past about halfway through episode in fact when they get onto the axon ship you're going oh, you're looking at your watch or you're picking mm. your phone up yeah. yeah i mean when I, I was noticing things like the fact that katie manning's wearing tights on location and not in the studio and that was quite interesting and I think that's not really gripping me, is it? Where, where you're noticing where the there's something wrong there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, something we did last time when we did the Yeti, which is something we didn't do with the Vord, which is we had a brief talk before we got onto our subject about you know our views on that incarnation of the Doctor's yes. companions, yeah. right? Okay. Yep. Um. Here we've got, you know, the third Doctor with Joe Grant. Yep. Um, where do you stand with this? Um, who, who is your favourite third Doctor companion um, out of the three? We, There's only three, I was going to say, we're not counting the unit, guys. Um, my favourite traditional companion, as in, you know, doc, Doctor's companion, not the unit people, is, uh, uh, is Liz Shaw. I think she... She, I, I enjoyed her performance. I thought the actress was brilliant. I loved the character, um, and she didn't sort of overstay her welcome. Um, then I would say Sarah Jane, although I think she works so much better with uh, Tom Baker than John agree. Pertwee. Totally agree. Um, and and although I can understand, I can understand people loving Katie Manning's Joe Grant. I I find her jarring and grating at times i mean especially in this episode where there's lots of her screaming and shouting the doctor's name and it just it really i mean i i had it on and Anne wasn't really paying attention but every time joe would scream <laughs> and shout doctor it, she just looked around and goes oh god she's terrible isn't she? and i don't you could have a drinking terrible. game couldn't yeah. you you could have <laughs> oh, a real yeah. drinking game with joe grant your your kidneys would be gone by uh, yeah. or your liver would be gone by about episode two um I, I enjoy the character. I enjoy certain bits of Joe Grant, but I, I yeah, I, again, it's weird. I, I much prefer uh, Katie Manning than Joe Grant. Hmm. So I've You've met her yeah, then. Yeah, I've met. I've met her. She's 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 mad. She's very much like Jacqueline Pierce. She's absolutely mad in yeah. person, but in, in a very interesting way. Yes. Yeah. I met her when I was Gorindon. <laughs> I'll, oh, I, I will put the Facebook pay, uh, photo up on the Facebook yeah. page, and when you see what Gorindon looks like, if folk yeah. listening don't know what Gorindon looks like, he's got quite a uh, unique uh, look to him, and yeah. yeah, she responded to that. Did Let, she? I bet she would, yeah. <laughs> I bet she would. Let me just uh, leave it at that. But I no, I like Joe Grant. I, she's my favourite. Really? Out of the three, yeah. because I think Joe Grant, you know, to me when I was little, she's the viewer. Always getting I, scared, always asking the doctor what's going on. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, I remember her a little bit from the, the initial run out when I was a kid, um, and I remember liking her. And I can, like I said, I can see why she would appeal at the time. I just think, in in retrospect, I don't think she's the strongest actress. Yeah, but role. we've had this thing before <laughs> where nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, really influences your opinion, oh, doesn't definitely, it? Oh, definitely, yeah. 
Well, I, I'd never, I'd never seen up until, um, like I say, a friend lent me almost the entire poetry run on on copies, and I'd never seen uh, Liz Shaw. So whenever I like read the targets that had Liz Shaw in it, I would sort of overplay Joe Grant onto that character. Right. And it was it was only when I saw um, Liz Shaw actually, you know, in a, in, a, in the run of four stories. I, I thought she was incredibly good. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm, it's not that I don't like Joe Grant. I just. I do find her grating at times. Mm, mm. When she's good, she's very good. But when if she's got a hold of scene, I mean, in uh, Planet of the Daleks, which I, a story I really like, the beginning bit where she and I know it was ad libbed, and that she was very proud that the director let her ad lib the thing. But when she's recounting at the beginning what's happened, mm. it's. I find it quite embarrassing. It's, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what's. I don't know why she doesn't click. No, I don't know. She did click for me because yeah. for all those failings that you get, you, you know, in a scene like that, you know, you've got, you know, when she's in the Green Death, which is, yeah, which is one again, I really. Yeah, she's, she's, she's really, really good, good in good, that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, you're far, far more knowledgeable than me on Doctor Who. Can you answer this question, which is? Is it down, do you know, is it down to John Pertwee why the third Doctor had no male companion? Um, yeah, pretty much. He he was very much of the, I mean, he's not in interviews, he often used to say the uh, sort of the, the, the protective mother hen with her chicks, and he would, he would see that. I mean, it, it depends on whether you view um, the unit guys as companions. Oh, that's you, a good point. If you do, he had the most male companions. I, I, I think John Pertwee definitely wanted a, a, a traditional, what's that doctor? Because it gave him a chance to have what he would call doctor moments. And he would say to uh, script editors, um, I don't care what the script is, just give me lots of doctor moments. Mm-hmm. And he, he would like that sort of thing. Uh, I, I love John Pertwee as the doctor. I think he's, he's brilliant. I know you have to separate John Pertwee the man from John Pertwee the... Uh, from Doctor Who, the character, um, because like John Pertwee was human, like everyone else, and he had good parts of his personality and bad. Um, but I, 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 I think he knew what the program needed at the time. Right. Um, I know it's looked on now as as very sexist, and you know he's he's viewed as very patronising and, and puts people down and sort of. But I think it fitted the the time perfectly. And he, do, he works remarkably well with male companions, so he's brilliant with the Brigadier. Yes. You do get the feeling they're friends. He works amazingly well with Sergeant Benton. Yeah. So Benton has a sort of a, almost a... He's in awe of the Third Doctor, and that works mm. really well. I don't think he worked particularly well with uh, Mike Yates, but that's because I don't really think Mike Yates had much of a character. Nobody works work well with of. Mike Yates. No, <laughs> no def- definitely not. Um, we should have him as an adversary. Yeah, we, one time. we should do it. Yeah, well, he was. Yeah, he was. He was naughty, wasn't he? In one of he the did stories. turn bad towards <laughs> yeah. the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't even very good at that, though, was he? No. <laughs> Bless him. Um, yeah. So I, it was. It was definitely John Putty. He wanted companions that he could. He could sort of, <laughs> basically rescue. Mm. You know, he he was the star of the show. That's how he viewed it. The companion was there for rescuing, um, and I think a lot of people sort of forget that uh, there were there were some very strong companions 
and varied companions in Doctor Who, for, for, but for a long stretch of time, the companion was a girl there to be to get into trouble and be rescued, and that was the formula of the programme. It's the, it's the phrase, something for the dads, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, and, and, and in this story, what Joe Grant is wearing, it's good Lord. <laughs> you know, how yeah. many times do we see her knickers in this one? Oh, good grief. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, that was the fashion at the time, wasn't it? So, oh, yes, I yeah, suppose. You know. I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, you're, you're right. It was definitely, uh, I mean, you, you see it in all the newspaper reports at the time when a new companion would come in. They would always want to do some... Uh, sort of photo shoot that nowadays wouldn't be seen as well. Katie Manning with that correct. Dalek. Yeah, I mean that that was afterwards. Um, yes, was after she left, and and basically it was a uh, uh, why not? And and exactly why not? Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I think that that probably sums up a lot of my feelings towards the Joe Grant character is that people when they think of. Katie Manning and Joe Grant, they always think of the Dalek shots yes. rather than any anything else. You, Yeah, it's... I think I've, I've got a sort of a, a tolerance to Joe Grant. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be coming back to Joe Grant yes. in, yeah, in, I mean, in, in yeah. future stories, won't we? But, we will, uh, yeah. She, she had right, a long well, run with uh, yes. John Pertwee. All right. Well, let's kick off then with, with the axon, shall we? All things must die, Doctor. Mankind, this planet. Axos merely hastens the process. Oh? How? Axonite is simply bait for human greed. Because of this greed, Axonite will soon spread across the entire planet. And then, the nutrition cycle will begin. Indeed. What then? Slowly, we will consume every particle of energy. Every last cell of living matter. Earth will be sucked dry. Yeah, so so this... Because, I, I, again, I was watching this with an eye to... Why doesn't it work for me? And I'm not saying it's rubbish, and I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but why doesn't it... Why doesn't it gel better as a story? And the start... And this sort of sums it up, doesn't it? So you've got the... You've got a very Quatermassy uh, sort of radio telescope mm-hmm. scene. Um... I don't know how a unit can afford those sort of things. I don't know. Um, they don't seem to have to budget for anything else. Uh, and then you see the spaceship, and it's like, okay, it takes a minute. And then immediately, wham, bam, you see the monster. Yes. Breaks all the rules of Doctor Who. You don't show the monster till the end of episode. And they've got an end of episode cliffhanger showing yes. the monster that you've seen 25 minutes ago in all yes. its glory. Apparently, that was a very, very late... Uh, decision to put yeah. the montage of you know monster faces over the top because if that you're right if that wasn't there you'd have more of a mystery wouldn't you yeah of course you are I mean this this is why I, the direction on this is so weird the editing is so weird I say it's, this this strikes me as someone that's uh, that's not got much experience no no um, yeah it, you don't you don't you don't uh, sort of play all your cards in the first two seconds. No, it's rubbish. Yeah. But the spaceship isn't rubbish. I love it. I, I love the look yeah. of that. We've got an organic spaceship in 1971. What? That's what? Eight years before Alien? Yeah. It, and, it's, it's, and it's by a mechanical spaceship? Yeah, it looks really good. It, it remi- always reminds me of, like you say, the, the, um, the derelict in Alien, but also the ship from uh, Life Don't Force. Don't say it. Oh, 
so many times on our podcast yeah. you say something I've got written down. Oh, right. For once, yeah. you, you say Life Force. Do you know what I've got? Go on. Uh, the Doomsday Machine from the original Star Trek. You know, this oh, long yeah, tubular yeah, no, ship yeah. with a moor right. at the front. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, it does have a, a vaguely similarity to that. Also looks a bit like a, a, a handheld vacuum cleaner. Long before there were handheld Long vacuum before, cleaners. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And it yeah, looks, yeah. I mean, we at this point in Doctor Who's run, we expect CSO. You are, if, if, you're not, if you don't like CSO, I mean, God, you're not going to like this story. <laughs> but you're not going to like John Pertry's run in particular. Barry Letts was a very uh, great proponent of CSO. He uh, was. Cut what? Color separation overlay or uh, chroma key, I think. Chroma key, yeah. yeah. They call it. Blue screen in, that's what they also call it. And it's where you do video effects, so you can you can remove you you know put something in front of a blue screen. I mean, everyone knows it. You can do it in your home on your phone now. Um, but back then, it was a big thing, and it was a way of making your budget stretch much much further because you didn't you could overlay a ship over a starscape without having to have a six foot starscape. Yeah. You know, and run it. So it it makes sense, but it it it's not entirely convincing. This don't look too bad. This shot. To begin with, and then yeah. you've got the monster faces. Yeah, you? and then it cuts to the inside, and immediately, like I say, all tension's gone because, oh, I've seen the monster. We know they're evil straight yep. away. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what was going on there. Well, <laughs> excuse me. But, after all that, you know, we go back down to Earth, and yep. I think we've got classic Third Doctor stuff, you know? Yeah, this... Um, this yeah, it's... I mean, we get another unit HQ that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's weird that there was no continuity between the interiors. I suppose it was because they built the sets each time. They, there was no provision for saving these sets. Um, and like you say, yeah. you, you know, it's a week bet- between episodes. It's yeah. a week between you know stories if you're mid-season. So you're not going to remember. No, that's it. I mean, I, I do like this. these first few scenes, I think, are really strong so we we get not only like um i mean it's well ahead of its time isn't it because we meet chin and he's yeah. such i mean he might as well be a poster boy for brexit oh yeah absolutely when brexit was our biggest worry i it it really struck me when chin is in mid-rant and yeah. the doctor says england for the english good yeah. heavens you know it's like good lord <laughs> and if, this is what i love about the third doctor is that a lot there was a there, there was a period in the sort of um late eighties when the third doctor was sneered at that the whole era was sneered at it went from uh being like beloved and it was the pinnacle to what a load of old rubbish and it's it's regained some of its uh its standing but certainly nowhere near it it was at sort of the early eighties late seventies mm. early eighties um and it's always the, the the criticism you always see is that the Doctor's a Tory. He's a you know he's he's not the the uh, character that we know and love. And I don't get that at all because he's no. always going against authority, except and he will use authority to to bring authority down, which I think mm. is brilliant. Like I, I think it's, I can't remember which episode it's Sea Devils or something where he meets another bureaucrat. And he play. He goes. Oh, I was at the uh, at the club with your boss the other night. And he plays it beautifully in that he knows what this guy re- uh, respects, which is the club mentality. Yes. And he goes straight into it to show that he can do it better than they can. Yeah, I I, I think he's brilliant. And this is a, a lovely John Pertwee uh, uh, speech and rant. 
I love the yeah. way, as soon as the doctor comes in, he bridles yeah. at this chin guy. He knows what this chin guy is all about, and he is against it, isn't he? Yeah, there was a, there was a phrase that came up, and it was used in the Vietnam War, and it, would, it was uh, chicken shit. And it, was, it described anything that made your job more difficult when it didn't need to be. And we've all experienced that in work. Mm. We all have, you know, where we've got red hair. And this is beautiful because John, John Pertwee's doctor absolutely... Did, I mean, he, you can tell that he detests being on Earth. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to get his wonderlust back. Um, and he detests these horrible little... People. bureaucrats yeah the bureaucrats yeah. It, it's such a good scene and the, again the um the brig in this is wonderful i i love nicholas courtney um he's so good in this because he's 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 defending the doctor mm. to the point he can whereas the doctor can go further and actually be rude to this chin chin's really good in the first episode he he rapidly becomes a bit of a uh, a cartoon, but he's really yeah. good in this first few scenes. He's very believable as this, this uh, almost yes minister style mm. politician, where the paperwork is the most important thing. Mm. Um, and then we also meet uh, Bill Filer, and it's this. This again expands the universe that that the FBI is interested in the master, as they should be. It's a shame he think? didn't stay on. What do you think of his accent? It's though? awful. <laughs> It's old, terrible. Old Severdick, as we know him, um, he's, yeah. he's terrible. Yeah, we must say he, if you don't know, is in Blake Seven. We yes. discussed him well not too long ago too in long Gambit. Ago. He was one yeah. of um, he, he was a hitman in yeah. Blake Seven, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he's he does he's serviceable in this. Um, his accent gets better. But in this in these first few scenes, it's so over the top. But what gets me even more is his hair is astonishing. I mean, I know we we sort of joke about seventies hairstyles and sort of Weetabix hair, but this is like it's like loft insulation, and it? it's so it's got so much product in it. It's shocking. It's, it's very bad, yeah. and the sides as well. Sides, yeah. I do yeah. like a nice pair of sides, but but his don't look great on him. When you see him later on in like episode four and he's in bed, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> he's not yeah. something for the ladies, is no. he? No, that, no. I mean, I mean that, that, that perhaps, I mean, you look at people like George Best in the 70s, True. that was a sexy look, wasn't it? Is that what Bill Filer is trying to go for? I think so. George I think he's Best. going for the George Best look, yeah. Oh, dear. Man, oh, dear. Sexiness in the 70s was big sideburns and lumpy faces, wasn't it? Well, let's talk sexy because I don't think John Pertwee looks more dashing than he does here. You know, he's got his velvet suit on. He's got his cape with that metallic purple lining. This is third Doctor to me. It's the quintessential third Doctor. Yeah, this is this is perfect third Doctor, and it's also weirdly his outfit, although it's outrageously seventies, hasn't aged as badly as like the suits people are wearing and it's no. and when you see john pertwee in uh, in sort of uh, behind the scenes shots and he's not in the outfit it looks so weird it's really weird yeah. you say that because before recording tonight i was googling yeah. images and you see behind the scenes or rehearsal shots of john yeah. pertwee in a turtleneck sweater yeah it's wrong isn't it it doesn't it's look wrong. right it doesn't look right at all it's like when you see uh camera uh, rehearsals 
with William Hartnell and he's just in his slacks and his jumper. No it wig. doesn't work. Yeah, and you think, who's that old man on set? Oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah, John, John Pertwee, I, I can see why uh, he the ladies loved him. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I have to say, uh, I, do, I do think Katie Manning is amazingly pretty uh, mm. and it's not it's not her look that i object to um mm. uh but yeah she yeah she's the, everything about this episode is so the 70s isn't it this could be a little time capsule if you get, but i love the 70s yeah. so why doesn't this story I know, work for me i know it's strange isn't it it is very strange all right well, yeah well, let's let's, l- move let's on, crack yeah. on with the story because that ship is coming down it is and it and it's gonna land on the south coast of england it is. It doesn't make a very big crater when it does come down. Does it, it? it number one, it doesn't do that. But also, we've got a line saying as it comes down, yeah. it makes freak weather conditions. Yeah, which is wonderfully clever getting around the problem because when they were in Doctor Who, they would go and film uh, the all the location footage first and then do the studio stuff afterwards. Yeah. So they went to film it and they filmed a load of stuff and it was lovely, glorious sunlight. And they got up the next morning and there was like six inches of snow over everything. Um, so rather than refilm the stuff, which would have, you know, put them a day behind, they just carried on filming and yep. put that one line in. I yep. love that. That's my idea of, of genius. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute in behind the scenes. Yeah. All right. But yeah, Bill Filer, he goes down and he's pulled into the crash ship that's made not much of an impact. And yeah. it doesn't re- seem to match really what we saw on the model shot, does it? No, it does because the model makes it look much bigger. Yeah. And this is this is your typical lean something against the side of a hill type thing, but they've yeah. got no hill because it's on the beach, so it looks even worse. Yeah. Because the length of the ship, the model you see, you see the arse end sticking out at that angle. The front's got to be, the front's got to be like six hundred feet down, hasn't it? Yes, it's yes. got to be almost vertical. Yeah, but you're not supposed to think about that. No, uh, no anyway, no. because you, you haven't got time to think. Because we meet Pig Bing Josh, <laughs> the worst character in the history of mankind. <laughs> it's awful. What problem do you have with this person? Uh, the fact that. That he doesn't appear to be, I know it. it, it I think it was a stuntman, wasn't it? Did it or something? But it, yeah. he's not. He's not acting very well, and he's making up his. Yeah. And one scene's away, but it just goes on forever. With very strange music over oh, the top the, of it. Yeah, I, I have to say the the music in this episode is awful. Mm. Um, it's John. John Post was one of Doctor Who had some. Because they would experiment with different music. You've got things like, um, is it Carey Blyton did the Sea Devils music and that, and the Silurians, and it's it's almost like some of it is played on a kazoo and it doesn't yeah. really work. And this is more traditional music, but it's it's just awful. There's, it doesn't mm. build tension. It's, it's just, I mean, it's meant to be funny, and it? it's meant to be. Look at this comedy character who dies. Who dies in a horrible way. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, no, it's all very strange. Um, the Doctor, Unit, Chin, they all go down because they've had this message, haven't they? Yes. From yeah. Axos saying that they need help. Yeah, Axos they? have spoken to them in British, yes. as you do, in English, uh, and said, yeah, we need help. Come along. You get the feeling that, that Unit HQ must be quite close to the South Coast because Bill Filer gets there within about 
three minutes, doesn't it? Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm presuming it's quite, you know, unit HQ is quite. I close like to that because we'll talk about it in a minute. But you know, where they filmed that is not very far from That's me. True. So therefore, unit could be somewhere near me yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. I wish you could find them. Get the doctor's help in that current. I'll situation. try it. I'll yeah. try it. Um, and they're allowed in. They're allowed into yes. the spaceship, and it's all very biomechanical when we go well, in it's, there. It's it's biomechanical, but on a budget that isn't very big. I mean, it's, it's they do the best with what they can, and it, I do like the fact that it looks alien. Um, it's just that it's a lot of CSO. It's a lot of expanded foam, which is yes. was a new thing then. Um, and it, again, you can see it in the, the 10th anniversary Radio Times on the cover. They use the same expanded foam to, to make the scenery. And mm. it, it was, I remember it even later in the, sort of the early 80s when it became commercially available for people to buy. And my brother would buy it to put into radio control boat hulls because it meant mm-hmm. they could never sink. Even if you turned them over, they wouldn't <laughs> sink. Um, and it was, it was like, it was futuristic stuff to us yeah. kids. So I can understand why they used it. Um, it looks better than the uh, Three Doctors uh, Amiga's castle, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's horribly uh, psychedelic. I think later on, when they have got a bigger budget, when they do Terror of the Zygons, that's yeah. very similar. And they've got more money. And yeah, that looks and a lot better, better in Terror yeah. of the Zygons. Yes. It does. It's, I mean, Doctor Who did a few times went in for this, like you say, biomechanical, organic look. Um and it, it, they did do it better, definitely. Yes. Um, it's again like a lot of this this story. It's serviceable. Um, it just rapidly outstays its welcome. Yes. Yeah. The next bit when Filer wakes up and he's there with the master. But again, this this comes back to the the direction is really weird because no, it, there's no big build up. It's like the master's he's just there. there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, then you get that really hysterically funny scene of where Bill Filer's desperately, or the, you know, the actor's desperately trying to act that he's curtailed and he can't Ugh. move, yeah. when you can obviously see that he could easily just lift that gun up and shoot. Yeah. You know. I mean, a better way would have been a, just some line in it where they said, you know, it feels like I'm magnetised to the floor so you know just something yeah, to explain yeah. it. those tentacles are not fooling anyone um, are you are you happy to see the master no no because this is at the back of the thing where the master was the bad guy every, every story, story. Yep. and the one before this of course was when the master actually manages to escape and he leaves earth yeah this, it, and then the next story he's been caught yep yeah yeah, because you've got um, colony in space, isn't it? Between yes, between these two, and it doesn't make any sense unless you think that's a master from a, earlier in his timeline or later. No, that's but, silly. Yeah, no, no, no. But no. It, do, it just, I, I understand what they were doing. That they, you know, they wanted this Moriarty figure and they wanted to do it. But I think even Barry Letts, before he died, said we shouldn't have used him in every single story no. for that no. block. It waters it yeah. all down, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it also it becomes very silly, very pantomimey. I mean, yeah. having said that, I could watch Roger Delgado just, you know, <laughs> stuck in a cell doing nothing. 
uh, he's brilliant. He's 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 superb. He brings such presence. He's the d- definitive master. One day we will do a master yes. story. And to me, Roger Delgado is the master. Everybody yep. that's come after it, I don't, I don't believe it for one minute because no. he is so indelibly implanted on my mind. And it, it's not just a youth thing, no, a no, nostalgia no. thing. Me looking back, nobody well, the, else has matched him in class as the, the char- master. The, yeah, the character was was written for him. And what what annoys me immensely is is in New Who where when John Sims took over the master's role and they they retconned it that the master was insane and he was constantly hearing this drumbeat even when he was uh roger delgado and you look at roger delgado's smooth suave performance you go yeah that that just does not wash it doesn't at all no not at all no right all right well shortly after that the axons appear yes the axminsters the axminsters and uh these golden people yes Um, um Far, far too much. Uh, what's what's the uh, uh, you know camel toe and, and hoof yes. acting going on? These these suits are too tight. Um, what I was trying to work out is, I mean, we we later learned that these are like thing type creatures, so they're just blobs anyway. Yes. But was that meant to be their skin, or was that meant to be that they're wearing a suit? I don't know. I think it's, it's meant yeah. to be their skin. You're yeah, meant to believe but that. That don't that don't work, does it? That's all. It doesn't work now on DVD on, true, you, you know, true. plasma TVs. But as we've said before, you know, when you're watching it in black and white on a small TV, you are supposed to believe that that yeah, what you see on their face is meant to be on their body as well. Yeah, and it's know? it's interesting because the first time I saw a photo of um, of uh, a humanoid accent was in the monster book the first doctor monster book and there's a lovely shot and it's in black and white and it looks amazing and i thought i always thought these well look at that makeup oh my god it's brilliant and then you watch it and it's a man with like you say two uh, halves of a ping pong ball stuck on mm. it in his eyes it'd yeah. be a, quite an easy one to uh, cosplay i suppose i suppose yeah, yeah. I, but the wigs don't help do they i didn't like the wigs watching it this time they're very roman empire yes yeah yeah they're very yes. I, I wonder if i claudius I just had a load left over or something. Load left over, yeah. yeah. And of course, the main axon, that's uh, Bernard Holly. Yes, brilliant. From, I like it. I like him. From, from Zed Cars. Yes, yeah. Good good actor. He appeared a few times in Doctor Who, I think. I think things. the reason they employed him, I think he's got a great mouth and chin, you know, and that's all you're going to see of him, really, isn't it? Yeah. So does that mean that this episode's got a double chin? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, very good. Yeah, he's he's really good. He, considering he's a man in a skin tight suit, painted gold with a wig and ping pong balls, he has huge presence. He sells mm. this threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have directed him better than just have him wander on and, and say his lines. You know, imagine mm. him in like a, you know a misty fog, you know, dry yeah. icy type thing, lit lit subtly with shadows. It'd be amazing. Nope, just wanders on. Do you remember him from Zed Cars? Yes, yeah, I, I liked him in Zed Cars. Uh, mm, I'm trying yeah. to think, there was another show he was in. I no, I think, was it? What was it? I think I remember him, I think, and I don't think it appears on IMDb. We had this with somebody else yeah. on the Blake 7 one. Is that they used to do documentaries for school TV. Oh, you could be right. 
And he mm. did voiceovers now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you could be right on that. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. more than Z cars, that's what I remember him from. Yeah, he's good though. He's he's one of the best things in this episode, mm. other than the regulars. Again, all these great elements. Why are they not gelling? Well, indeed. And and the Axos, they want to stay a while on Earth because yep. they've got to repair their ship and recharge. Yes. And in return for their stay, they're going to give Axonite, this wonder material, Axonite. Yeah, I do. There's a lovely bit where they, they bring out the frog and he goes, uh, one of your one of the animals you eat or something, or one of your uh, mm. uh, food chain animals? And it's like, uh, not really. <laughs> mm. Terrible CSO again. Straight after that, though, we've got the eye on a stalk. Yes. Yeah. What's your views on the eye on a stalk? I quite like the eye on a stalk. It, it, it looks suitably alien. It's a better eye than, um, than Alpha Centauri got a few stories later. True. Um, I, yeah, I like the eye on a stalk. I think it works quite well. I quite like the voice as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, vo- the, the, the voices, again, sell it, don't they? It's, I like that. It's sort of... It, 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 I don't know whether it's the same actor, but it reminds me very much of the um, the guy that played Saruman in the BBC radio mm-hmm. version of Lord of the Rings. And there's a section where, which they didn't do in the films, and I don't know why, where they they after they trap him in the, in the tower, and then they go and speak to him, and he's silky smooth, mm-hmm. he's persuaded, and he talks, and and you start, it's like a snake, you're being dragged in, and I think act. The, the voice of Axos has the same thing that you're sort of almost mesmerised and dragged in by it because mm. it could have easily have been the standard ranting monster couldn't it the ranting uh, Omega type uh, no that's really good yeah. but we're about halfway through the story and I think you and I are similar in that after this we rapidly start losing interest yes, in yeah, this story this, this, is, um, this is one of those stories where the first episode sets up really quite nicely <coughs> the story and then it does absolutely nothing with it 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 becomes tedious very quickly i think this one and yet we have action oh, God, we have all yeah. sorts of things we have massive battle massive we have small battles <laughs> we have car explosions we have unit action we have exploding nuclear power stations that don't do any damage we have uh, the TARDIS, all this amazing stuff, and it's so boring. I fell asleep I again on this one. I always fall asleep. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, you you know, the Axos, when they are, are in physical forms, you've got these supposedly beautiful people with yes. their blonde wigs and ping-pong ball eyes and gold face paint and yellow and white leotards. And then we've got a, a halfway mark, when one of them starts to change, which is yeah. the, the the leotard with a blobby head. Yes. And then we've got the blobby version, and then we've got the full-on tentacle version yeah. that can fire these tentacles out at, you, you, you know, jeeps that are going past and stuff yeah. like that. This should be thrilling stuff, but like you say, it's like, ugh. It's, it's directed in such a leaden way. I say that the, the scene that most people are familiar with uh, from various documentaries the where it where it comes across the uh, the walkway and down the stairs and then attacks the two unit soldiers mm. and 
it should, like you say, it should be thrilling, and it's actually you're watching it going, oh, okay, mm. yeah, it's a good suit, good monster suit. I mean, they used it later on in Seeds of Doom. It's a good suit. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with the suit, but it's just, it's almost like pointing the camera, long shot, lock it off. That'll do, lads. Let's go for a drink. It's it, very pedestrian. Yeah, that, isn't that's it? the word. Very pedestrian. There's no, mm. which is so weird because a lot of Doctor Who at this time had some great stylish stuff going on, you know, Dutch angles and different camera angles and shooting from above and, you know, lots of unit stunts where you'd get people falling off buildings. And this is so pedestrian, yeah. It is. Can I just say, when um, the Doctor and Joe come out of the ship and climb up that bank yeah. um, two years ago, we went to uh, Dungeness. This is where they filmed that bit on Romney Marsh, Dungeness Power Station, which, you know, now, you know, the way the modern world is, you go there and there are barbed wire fences inside barbed wire fences inside barbed wire fences, you know, and, yeah. and CCTV cameras ev- everywhere. There is no way you can just wander into that power station, you know. Yeah. A bit different in the 70s. Well, you could just but, drive up to the door, according to this one, couldn't you? Yeah. But, um, no, what we did um, before we went there, on the DVD, there's a very good um, then and now sort yeah. of feature showing you um, all the places. And I worked out where to go to actually find where the Axon ship had landed. And uh, I will put it on Facebook. I've got a photo of me standing on the bank exactly where they put the spaceship, you know. Were you looking Uh, around for old bits of latex? I so wanted just like a bolt or a nut or something from the spaceship, you know. But no, couldn't find anything. Pigbin Josh's old bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) But... Like I say, you know, even with, you know, the Doctor teaming up with the Master, that should be exciting and thrilling. Yeah. And you go, no. Oh. And there's, they have some nice dialogue. And John Pertwee and Roger Delgado always worked really well together. And this mm. Master's so good. I mean, I do like the scene where he, he just comes out the TARDIS later on and like the unit guys just go what is the master and they go and try and stop him and he almost makes it back to the TARDIS through sheer charm alone mm. he's, he's superb in this in fact I, I I wish they'd almost done a spin-off series with Roger Delgado yeah it's just the adventures of the master just him screwing people over every week but it's it's sorry I'm eating <laughs> I was gonna say, what are you eating crisps I'm... Uh, cashew nut. Oh. Sorry about that. If you had said spaghetti, <laughs> that would have been ideal. <laughs> or chow mein. Chow mein, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a weird story. You you, you finish it and you're going to... You go, well... If, if you yeah. ask me now, so they leave the ship. If you ask me, and I literally watched this a few days ago. If you ask me to tell you what happened in chronological order, I couldn't do it. I don't remember. I remember scenes, so I remember the Axons attacking at the end of an episode the nuclear power station and uh, the the world's most uh, unconvincing uh, fight with hand grenades. Mm. I remember the unit jeep chase where they they obviously forget to key in the blue screen and you can actually see the blue screens which Mm. is great Um, and then they blow it up. I remember the Doctor and the Master working but it's all like there's no 
there's no story, is there? Once they once they leave the Axon ship that first time, there's no real yeah. story. It's just it's just over and over again. Chin does something stupid because he's a nationalist idiot. Uh, the brig does something and it doesn't work. The doctor does something and it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, the doctor teams up with the master and it. Well, I don't know. Sort of works. They, sort of works. You've got yeah. this whole t- time loop thing at the end, haven't yeah. you? Mm. And we see the we see the master's TARDIS, and it's like a filing cabinet. I like that though. Yeah. I like the idea that a a, a blank TARDIS yeah. is just a square box. I really yeah. like. That. I like mm. I like the ones in the war games where the door just slid out the side. Yeah, the Sid rats. I like them. Um, mm. Yeah, there's there's so many things in this that that this this should be a classic, but it's not. Um, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, I love the three doctors. Um, but you can cut out episode three and not miss it. Mm. And I think this one would have made a great little two-parter. Yeah. Nice little two-parter. Aliens turn up, not what they appear. Doctor beats them. Yeah. Yeah. But four Too episodes. Too much padding. It dra- yeah. yeah. It drags something. Yeah. This, right. In fact, this would have been an ideal candidate for the the new 45-minute format. It would one 45-minute episode. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to cough. <coughs> Um, yeah, right. one one other thing that's weird about this is is we're used to the doctor being right, and the doctor's wrong throughout this. So he's saying he's he's having a moan at Chin, saying because Chin originally doesn't trust these people with season of threat, and the doctor's going, no, 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 they're not all aliens are threat. They're nice, they mean well, mm. and he's wrong completely. Chin's completely right. If Chin could have blown them up to start with, problem solved. Um, which is again, they could have made something of that, where you know, yeah. episode three, the Doctor goes, "How could I be so wrong?" And he questions, it. "No, nothing. Just throw a group, have a fight with some hand grenades." Um, my notes at this point say it feels like bits are missing. The budget is stretched paper thin, and I think that sort of sums it up. Mm. Um, mm. It, it feels like it's it's at one, it's both at once far too long, but we're not. It skips over major bits that should be shown. Mm. I think that's the problem. Beast, yeah. I think that is the problem. Yeah, mm. it, it's if it, again, it feels like a first draft. Was well, it rushed? I can't remember whether this was a well, rushed. It's not that it's rushed. I think half of the problem is to do with uh, the writers. Okay. Yeah. Of this story, Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Yeah. The okay, Bristol who, Boys. The Bristol Boys, yeah. They went on to be called the Bristol Boys. I mean, in late 1969, they sent Terence Dix a script by accident. Do you know this? They, they, they sent I've, him, I've, I think I've heard it, yes. Yeah. yeah, they sent him by accident a, a, a script for a comedy about life in the army. I guess sort of like... Yeah get something in or something yeah. like that or the you army know. game was big at the time yeah or the army game or something like that you know and it was not meant to have gone to terence but he spotted potential there and said that's not meant to have come to me but can you come up with something for this show i'm doing doctor who and they turned in a story called the gift okay yeah. which was far too long far too ambitious i mean uh, it was set in central London um, at uh, Battersea Power Station instead of the one down in Kent that we got. Yeah. 
Um, and this skull-shaped spaceship landing in Hyde Park, okay? And, of course, you know, very long, very ambitious in BBC terms means far too expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were told to scale it down, and uh, they went back to the uh, drawing boards. They reduced it right down. They set it in Kent. They cut out an awful lot of the action scenes and space scenes and stuff like that, okay? And that's the script that we know. So it could be that it was because it was their very first script for well, Doctor Who. I don't think it was because because Robert Holmes also said this about them, didn't they? That, that they they would turn in stuff that you could pick bits out, but, but their scripts would always require huge effort oh, to... Right. to pair them into something that could be done they would always write the impossible and then you you could spend ages to try and pick the possible out of it and i i i'm i don't know whether people whether the script editors Terence Dix and uh, robert holmes saw something in their writing that made them persevere for this because i mean the only the, the only noticeable or notable thing they really did was was uh create canine wasn't it yeah um, but but other than that yeah it's that none of their scripts i don't think work particularly well right i don't think so okay all right well the axons you know the physical version yeah. of axos was all down to terence Dix. he was the one who came up with the idea of having them in this organic form all yeah. right and uh, Jules Baker had the task of building them, um, and there were seven of the... We're talking the monster versions, not the leotards. The spaghetti right? guys. The spaghetti guys, yes. Yeah. And they were very expensive to make because the base material was actually chamois leather. Um, because there were going to be, you know, pyrotechnics and flames and stuff. Yeah. You can't use latex because it will just, you yeah. know, <laughs> melt onto the skin of the stuntman inside. Yeah. And uh, they were apparently were very hard wearing, which is yeah, probably why they survived, I suppose. Yeah, for Seeds of Doom. Yeah, you know, one of them was resprayed green, wasn't it? For it Seeds was, of yeah, Doom. It was a grenade, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The suits look great. I, I I love the suits, and I think this is why why this story is, or certainly pre being able to see it, this story was always spoken of. It, it was never like the Tomb of the Cybermen style of. Of this is a classic, but it was always spoken of as very good. And when it finally released on VHS, it sort of that died, died a death. How many times are we going to say this on this show that it looks great in a still, yeah, but when you see it actually moving, it loses it, you know? Yeah, I think that's again the case with this. That in a still, it looks amazing. When you see it moving, it's quite obviously a man in a, a, a you know, almost a, a duvet cover. Well, to begin with, when you see the monsters, I think they look terrific. But it's not until you get, what, episode three, episode four, when they're trying to get on board the Land Rovers. Yes. And you can see all the folds in it. And yeah. it's like, uh, that's just like a balloon there inside or something, you know? Yeah, it, it, that whole Land Rover scene is not well directed at all. And like no. I say, it, to me, it looks unfinished. Like I, say, you, I don't know whether that the blue background is actually the CSO screen, which I think it is, or whether that was just they went, well, it's sunlight or sky. I mm. think they, they didn't even bother finishing the, the effects no. shots on it. No, no, no. Um, 
um, the interior of Axos that that all came from uh, Ken Sharp, right. and he came up with the idea after being knocked out by all the body interiors of uh, Fantastic Voyage. Oh right. I thought you were, I thought you was going to say he came up with it after being knocked out. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? I've yes. had this wonderful dream, guys. Yeah, you've got a concussion, yeah. mate. <laughs> All right. Uh, the working parts, such as yep. the claws inside the ship and the eye, they were all designed by John Horton, okay? And I've got a quote from Dave Harvard, okay, about the making right. of this. Are you ready? Yep. Right, okay. Um, I assisted John Horton on this story. We had to build a big eye which came down from the ceiling of the spaceship. It was a bit like an elephant's truck, only more phallic. We'll agree with that, won't we? Well, I don't know. I, if, if that's what his looks like, I think you should see a doctor. Well, it's what mine looks like. I don't wish to know that. <laughs> okay. Long, uh, long, thin, bulbous ended and descends from the ceiling. And talks to me. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, the thing was I'm regarded. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, the thing was regarded as quite a joke amongst the crew. Mm, the eye's main construction was convoluted tube. Back then, the tubing was a new invention. Most people didn't know what it was, and you could get away with it. The Axon spaceship had sexual overtones too. I constructed the main body of the model from fiberglass, which was then covered with an unlubricated contraceptive stuck on with latex. It was detailed with veins along its length, leading back to an exhaust system. The idea was that this ship was part mechanical, part organic, which was originally supposed to pulsate. I'm sure we experimented with blowing air into it to make things breathe in and out. See, so he was well ahead of his time. Yeah. And then he says, During the studio recordings, Colin Mapson, Jim Ward and I were allocated to stand behind the set, inserting our arms to work (laughs) the tentacles of the Axon ship. The idea was that John Pertwee had to run the gauntlet past all the tentacles as we were blindly trying to grab him. The rehearsals went well, and this was scheduled to be the first scene recorded after, after dinner. Colin and I arrived back in the studio dead on time, only to discover that the 10-second countdown to recording had already begun. We were still frantically trying to get our arms into the tentacles as John ran past. Which explains the ineffectiveness of those arms in that scene, doesn't it? You'd think they would just retake the shot, wouldn't you? I don't think they had time. No. I mean, that's a kind excuse, isn't it? That is, yeah, it's... I, I, whenever you hear things like this and you think they, they couldn't do a second take or whatever, and you think, oh, perhaps you should have. Perhaps mm. you, someone should have. I mean, they, John Pertwee used to say, because uh, if, you, if you did a performance and you thought it was terrible, if you said, can we do that again because uh, I, I can do better, they would go, no, can't do that. Again. So he would swear. He would, ah, right. he would he would swear in it so they couldn't use it and they would have to do it again. Um, evidently an old actor's trick for television. But I can see why, because it must be galling. And for those effects guys, it must be galling to put that work in. And then because of of schedules and that, you you get a crappy shot out of it. Yeah. 
And boy, did we. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next bit. Location shooting was planned to take place on Romney Marsh um, over five days in 1971. January 1971. We've said this before on on Blake 7. Why the heck are they doing locations in the middle of winter? I suppose it it means there's less people about. It's probably something as simple as that. Mm, Or the hotels are cheaper. And, yeah, here it's mainly Dungeness, as I say. Um, Freezing cold. Everyone on location were wearing pink long johns, okay, apart from Katie Manning. And I think that's why you said earlier she's wearing tights on location but not in the studio because it was chuffing freezing Freezing. on location. I don't blame her. She hasn't got much of a skirt, has she, let's be honest. That's not a skirt. It's a wide belt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the crashed spaceship, the full-size crashed spaceship, was made from chicken wire um, covered by foam, rubber, and latex. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why you've got smoke billowing out the opening was to disguise the fact that the opening only went back about 10 feet. It's to hide the back wall, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you can see it's not very long. No. No. Um, for reasons no one knows, nobody knows to this day... Uh, the opening titles for this story use the second Doctor's version of the Doctor Who theme. Yeah, it is. It is weird, isn't it? Because you can tell it's it sound. It doesn't sound right with those titles. No, you're expecting Patrick Troughton, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if it was something to do with because they changed the title it, uh, because it was Space Vampire or something, wasn't it? They changed the title almost days before it was due to go out. So I wonder if that's all they had mm, could be. To, to put on it. Yeah, yeah. And this story is the first time you see the interior of the TARDIS in the John Pertwee era. Yes, yeah, because uh, we hadn't seen the interior of the TARDIS uh, right back. I don't even think we saw it in the War Games, so it'd be free then. I, yeah. I mean, I don't mind this interior version. It looks better than the next one they do. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is, it's weird to think that, isn't it, that you'd go several seasons without seeing the TARDIS interior. They'd be up for I love now, the fact, they? when you because as I said at the start, you know, this is our, our very first colour, you yep. know, um, Doctor Who we're talking about. And when you see inside the TARDIS and you see that console, the console is pale green. Yeah. And I love the fact that when you're filming black and white, if you have a console that is white, it will flare up too much to yep. the cameras. And they realized if you paint something pale green, it will register as white on black and white. And they kept that on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I it, think that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I do like that. It's, um, again, this is sort of, this is, uh, as prop makers and um, costume makers, you run, you run the the choice of do you do it as it is in real life or do you do it as it appears on camera and we said mm. like Star Trek uniforms and this Doctor Who was a classic case of this because they had to retrain all of the um, set designers uh, when they went into colour and you, you you think why? And it was because of that point the, they would do things in special colours for black and white to give different effects on camera mm. um, and then when you went into colour you had to redo all that because you had to do it differently for colour cameras uh, and, and you know I mean we do, we're uh, Universal Monster fans and there's, there's still the the 
was Frankenstein's monster green or not? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, on set he was green, but he was never meant to be green on film. And that's, you know, that they started filming Son of Frankenstein in color and it rapidly became apparent that it just didn't work with a green, mm. bright green monster. Um, and it, it it's weird to think that, that you, it, it must have been strange going onto these sets in like Hartnell and Troughton times because it's not what you would see on no. camera. But I do like the green. I love the, the line green console. No, I, I, I like, like it. it. It's a shame, really, they did then go to white and then yep. silver and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's also unique, this uh, um, TARDIS uh, control room, where the TV monitor is actually built into one of the roundels, yes, isn't yeah, it? When the it master is. is fiddling around in, in the TARDIS, yeah. uh, the TV monitor's there, instead of a whacking great big TV hanging down yeah, from the, the ceiling. Bracket, yeah. I, yeah, I quite yeah. like the idea that the roundels actually do different things, so I, yes. I like the idea of them. Oh, but I'm having flashbacks, you say that, that... Oh, Dimensions in Time, the thing with the yeah. uh, um, the Rani's yeah, TARDIS, the where she's thing, got yeah. like a Time Lord behind a round door, yeah, and then oh. ugh. <laughs> shows you can take things too far. <laughs> we got to do the Rani at one point, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Oh blimey! And the other unique thing I think at this time is you see the doors going out of the TARDIS. And it's not outside, it's like a corridor. Yeah. You see a corridor of more roundels, don't you? You do, yeah. So, again, the, the, the doors are not, they don't match. There's a there's a, some sort of portal between the two. Yes, yeah. Uh, last bit I've got on behind the scenes is about our Bernard, Bernard Holly. Yep. Um, he was um, in Tomb of the Cybermen. Ah, that, that's, yeah, that's the other one he was in. Of course it was, yeah. Yes, Tomb of the Cybermen. And he did come back for an Axos story in the audio play The oh. Feast of Axos. Oh, right. Do you know that one? No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I've got a few of the audios, the big finishes on Doctor Who, but I, I didn't start collecting them originally, and now there's just too many. I think you should get collect- that one. Yeah. I might get that. You should you? you should get that. It's it's Sixth Doctor. Oh right. It's, oh, old, like it's old Colin. I love Colin. Yeah. 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 Um the Axons or Axos has been in a lot of things. There's been yeah. another audio called Project Lazarus. Right. Um then um some comic versions, The Child of Time. Do you know this? Don't know that one, no. Okay. <laughs> we'll well, leave I, I that think, one. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be on a, 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 a sticky wicket on this one because I can't think of anything else the Axons have been in okay. other than the Weetabix cards. There's a 11th Doctor comic book story called The Golden Ones. Oh, wait. No? no you don't I know that? I would have given up reading comic strips by then. I don't even read any of them now. Okay, there's a audio called Mary's Story where nope. the 8th Doctor uh, teams up with Mary Shelley to fight the Axons. Oh dear, so is that why all the uh, the big Finnish fans were up in arms when the 13th Doctor met Mary Shelley? That could well be yeah. it, yes. There's a book called Lights Out, where there was a mutant who has Axon, Ogron, and Pyroville uh, genes. Py- Pyroville, were they the volcano monsters from um, one of David Tennant's, I think? Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, and... 
a classic comic version, Doctor Who and the Iron Legion. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, Axos was mentioned in that, in uh, the Doctor's memory files. Oh, right. All right. Okay, uh, Eagle Moss figures. We keep talking about the Eagle Moss figures. I know there is a Leotard version. Yes, I've seen that. I haven't got it. I have seen that one. Advertised. I don't want it. No. I want I want the Chalmain version. Yeah. You'd think they would do the Chalmain version, because they could do green one and call it a crinoid, couldn't they? You could. Yeah. yeah, yeah, value for money. Yeah. Or you could just get one of your other figures, cover it in glue, and drop it into um, spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I'd like to know what did they make it out of the, um, you know, the Chalmain version. Uh, what are, are those tubes? You know, I how don't know. how complicated a design was it to make? You know, I think uh, I don't know whether any of the the costumes still survive, but I think it was at Longleat for a while, wasn't it? As as a crinoid, mm. it was still green. I think at that point. Right. Um, I, I just assume they use latex tubes or something. But... All right. Well, next bit. Let's get on to this, right? So, design rating, okay, yes. out of ten. Let's let's do them separate, right? So yes. you've got the human axon. Let's please do them separate. Yeah. All right. So the human one out yeah. of ten. What do you give it? Two. You've done it again. You've done two as well. I mean, what? I've got two. Yeah. It's rubbish. It you is. know, it's like you know the. The most basic budget version of an alien that you can do. A leotard, yeah. a wig, and something over the eyes. Only Star Trek Next Generation, when you stop doing the eyes and you do the, the bridge of the nose, yeah. can be worse. Well, I was going to say, this this design could easily be in a, an original series Trek episode from the late 60s. Right. Easily. Um, yeah, it just doesn't... It, the wigs almost look like they they were meant to be bald or something. They went, oh no, we got to do something, and they just found some old wigs somewhere from Caligula yeah. Yeah, or from something Caligula, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. I I can't give them more than a two. I can't give them a one because you know they look good in photos. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. I like Bernard's chin. That's yeah, about well, it. Go, yeah. yeah. All right, but what about the monster one? Oh, I I like the monster version. I I think this this leaps up to. Uh, I was going to give it an eight, but I don't know whether. I, yeah, yeah, I'll give it an eight. I give it an eight. I I like this design. I think it it works well. I I, I understand what you say about the when it's knelt. If they're kneeling, as soon as you see a the knees of a monster, it ruins it. It's like the Zabi. Great. Yeah. Pan down, see their little knees. No. Yeah, but this is design, not effectiveness. Oh, and right. So, okay. I do you want to reevaluate for yeah. that? Uh, if it's design, not effectiveness, I'll, I'll, I'll go down a little bit. I think because the down. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. Effectiveness, I would go down. Design, I'm going to leave at eight. Because I think it's good. It's good design you leaving yeah. at eight. All right. Yeah. Well, I gave it a nine. All right. High, high Be- Because yeah, be- they are really alien. They're yeah. humanoid, but they are totally alien. They've got no yeah. eyes. They've got no nose. They've got no mouth. Right. They got no nose. How do they smell? Like latex. <laughs> Chow mein. Chow mein. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I do. Yeah. I, uh, All right. Yeah. I think that's a fair. So. Well, that's eight and a half then. 
Yes. I think that's fair. But what did yeah. we give the what did we give the Vord? <coughs> Excuse me, the Vord are seven. Oh, okay, yeah, that's I think that's fair. They were stepping. And so are the Web uh, Yeti yeah. R seven as well. Right. So um here we go then. The effectiveness yeah, of that, the humans. That goes down. Because certain shots look well, but then other times it does look like a stuntman lumbering about in a duvet cover. I'd go... No, this is yeah. humans. Oh, humans. Oh, God. Effectiveness, humans. Jesus. Um, zero? Zero? Yeah. I can't. They're rubbish. They look terrible. I gave it a yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, get, I, I can't score it because it, it doesn't work in any way are you giving him one for the effectiveness of his chin yes yeah okay. so <laughs> you give him a one uh, sorry you give him a zero i give him a one that's 0. 0.5 yes which i think is is fair they're lucky they got that will anything be lower i wonder oh, I don't, yeah. we haven't done sylvester mccoy's rain yet what the candy man yeah actually i, I like the design of the candy well, to be continued yeah. on the Candyman. Yeah. All right, and effectiveness of the monster the version monster. when you see I'd, it moving yeah. around with all his folds and stuff yeah. like that. I'd, I'd say five. It's middling, isn't it? When it looks good, it looks good, but when it doesn't look good, it looks like a man in a duvet. So yeah, I'd go five. All right, I gave it six, so that's yeah. five and a half. That's fair. All right, it's fair, but it still puts it above the board. Yeah. Okay. I well, I think that's fair as well. I think because the Vord moves like a man wearing flippers that isn't used to wearing flippers, which could be a hundred percent accurate. I don't know. Um, this is true. But a, a good a few scenes in the uh, of the axons looks really good. I mean the 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 horrible choreographed fight. At least they sort of try and show them in close up rather than. When they show yeah. when they do cut back to a long shot, it looks awful. But at least in close up, where they're sort of moving the camera, it looks good. I think. So yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's okay. All right. Okay. Well, what we do now, we got this new tally, which is called the adversary tally, which is when we, um, you know, combine the design with the effectiveness effectiveness to find a final adversary tally that gives um him a 6.75 right yep is which is the highest so far is that for you've combined the humanoid and the the, the spaghetti man oh that's a good point yeah. <laughs> all right well look on facebook yeah. Uh, for that we'll tally. Work it out. Okay. Yeah. It'll be something. All right. yeah. I'll work it out. All right. Because, um, yeah, it's getting quite late for us. All right. Before we go, we've got a couple of more things. Um, Earth date, right? Yes. We've started chronicling this, right? Now, so far, we've got 1935. We had the second Doctor visiting the Himalayas, didn't yep. we? We did, yeah. For the Abominable Snowman. 1970s, mid 1970s. Second Doctor again in London for the Web of Fear. Yep. Right now we've got the Claws of Axos. All right. Now, if you look at the phones and the cars, okay, they're sort of from the time when it was filmed. Yes. Okay? Yeah. It's it's pure. The actual look of it is pure seventies. Um, but there's a great yep. clue in here because Chin, right? Yep. Calls Cape Canaveral Cape Kennedy. Ah, all right. right. Changed and Cape, world, yeah, Cape Can Kennedy only went by that name from 1963 to 1973. Oh, right. 
all right? So if that's the case, if you say it's 1973, right, the third Doctor had this adventure two years before the second Doctor had his adventure in the underground yep. with the Yeti. Although I, I don't think we can take the Cape Kennedy because in the Doctor universe, of course, Kennedy, Cape Kennedy might have gone much longer with that name. <laughs> we'll change this yeah. as we go. We will. All right. I, I would say this is, to me, this is meant to be about 77, isn't it, I reckon? Do you think 77? Yeah, I think so. We don't see any punks wandering about, but, but we're in the, in the unit timeline. This is, I think, 77 fits, because if we assume that when he meets Sarah Jane, that's 1980, mm. I think that sort of fits... All right. It's okay. Not, it's not like seventy-seven is over now. Okay. Well, let let let's see what happens as we yes. go along, shall we? Yeah, I got a feeling we'll end up going bloody hours. No wonder no one can agree and scrap it. <laughs> scrap this idea. Yeah. All right. Before we go, it's shout out time. Oh, we got one already. We have. We got two. All two. right. Yes, first one, um, and I think it's quite fitting. Our very, very, very first bit of feedback is from our old friend over on the Blake Seven in Character Podcast, Mark Hevingham. Oh, Mark. He's like, he was like the third unpaid member of the the team, wasn't he? He was like our companion, wasn't he? Was, he was, yes. Companion yes. through thick and through thin. He was, he was, yes. So here, here we go. This is what Mark says, and thank you very much, Mark. Um... Great first episode and a very confident, entertaining start. Looking forward to the Yeti in part two and hopefully not too long before the Nestines stroke Autons are discussed for JP. Uh, The Ealing Broadway scene with the shop window dummies must rank in the top five Doctor Who moments ever. Um, I don't know if they will. That's something else we've got to talk about as this show goes along, haven't we? What's that? The, the top moments or the classic awesome. moments yeah classic, classic moments I think we should were there any classic moments in Axos not so far not with no. the Vord not with the Yeti not no, with no, Axos no, nothing that you remember from your childhood that stands out there might be next time we talk alright but for all the wrong reasons but oh, we'll okay. come to that in a minute so yeah thank you very much Mark yes um, thanks Mark nice to see you over on the yeah, thanks the, for coming on over, and um, I think that that's entirely fitting that you are our very first, um, yes. you know, respondent yeah. to. And this it's good show. as well because it means that when we we think of something wacky, we can go Mark. Yes, and he'll okay. do a lovely illustration of it. This is true. Yeah, um, the other one we've got is from a different Mark, oh, right. um, but just called Mark, Mark Two. <laughs> Mark Two. His his surname might be Two because he does not give his surname. All right. And um, here we go, uh, quite a lengthy one. Here we go from Mark. Uh, Just listen to the podcast. So glad you decided to do this. I'm a great fan of Blake Seven in character and sad to see it come to an end. I'm a massive classic Who fan and grew up with a program with Pertwee as my first Doctor and my favourite. I was born in 1967, so similar age to both of you. Your nostalgia for the times makes me laugh and a bit sad for a childhood now long gone. I was born in the UK but moved to New Zealand Zealand in 2001. I have the ability to listen to the podcast at work. I like my job, but being able to listen to you two makes it so much better. Keep podcasting. You make people happy. 
Oh, what a lovely uh, shout out. What a lovely sentiment there. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Unknown. Mark. Mystery Mark. Mystery Mark. Yes, yeah. thank you, Mystery Mark. Um, something I thought of just then as I read it out is, you know, one of the things that I, 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 I like about this show is if we didn't do this show, this is the sh- sort of show I would like to listen to. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, if I was Mark, I, I understand what Mark says because I like this show. I like doing this show because this is the sort of show that I would like to listen to. Do you see yeah. what I mean? I do, yeah. It's it's a sort, sort of nonsense that you would, you would <laughs> listen to. It's total bollocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I like, I like podcasts that are more, well, actually less polished. <laughs> I don't... You get a lot of podcasts, and they sound like proper, like well produced. No one ever, you know, says a name wrong or. or gets well, that's a not wrong. us. That's not us, no. But when we're we're like the total opposite. Uh, I imagine we annoy a lot of people as well that they're going. That's not right. <laughs> but uh, we're only human. Yes, indeed, yeah. indeed. Well, so, so thank you, Marks. Yes, we could. Yes, thank you both, Marks. All right. Yes, thank you, Marks. All right, so um, that's the show nearly over. Um, um, so, as is now the norm on this show, is it's now my turn, yes, isn't it? Turn. And you've um, got a great to Tom announce. Baker run. I have seven yeah, years of goodness. I had well, seven years of yeah. well, <laughs> six years of goodness. That's another subject for another time. Five, five and a half years of goodness. Five, five and a half, four and a half, four. Yeah, How do you got we a know? Right mixed bag in you, really. We will find out. We were found yeah. out, and um, so yeah, I have got that huge, huge history of uh, Tom Baker's to choose yep. from, and uh, my subject isn't really thinking about it an adversary per se. All right. So the name of the show's already gone. It's gone. Yeah, <laughs> By episode four, uh, shot. Yes, shot to the um, He. He, it is not an adversary, but I'm thinking that the story is quintessential Tom Baker. So that's a big thumbs up from me. And it gives us a chance to talk about the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Professor Kettlewell. Ah, it's his first story, Robot. It is Robot with the, what's he actually called, Ian? Show your credentials. The K1 Robot. Well done. Next yeah. time, the K1 robot from Robot. All I've, right? got, I've got action, I've, I, I've got memories of that that I remember clearly from being a child. So, oh, good one. Nostalgia good fest ahoy yeah. next time, all right? All right. Okay, well, we'll do on, that. ready for that one. Scarves on, um, fright wigs on, yes. <laughs> so, all right, so, yeah, join us, everyone, next time when we go to Tom to talk about the K1, all right? Brilliant. Not the K9, the K1. K9, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and K2 to 7, nowhere to be seen. Absolutely not. All right, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ian. Nice one. Thanks, Eric. See you next time. Thanks, Bye. 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 <laughs>